This podcast is brought to you by the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. Pleasure to welcome back to the show former HP CEO Carly Fiorina. Carly, great to talk to you again as always. It's great to be back with you. Thanks for having me again. Thank you. When you were on with us the last time, we talked about uh, your decision to support uh, Joe Biden in the upcoming election. I wanted to get your thoughts now of the ticket that was announced yesterday with uh, uh, v- former Vice President Biden selecting Kamala Harris to uh, be their, uh, his running mate. Well, first, from a political point of view, uh, I think it was a smart choice. I think he really needed to select a woman of color. Um, I disagree with Senator Harris on many things. I disagree with the Democrat Party on many things. But I have to say, setting aside those disagreements as a woman, uh, I think it is um, high time that we see a ferociously self-determined, highly accomplished, thoroughly prepared woman of color at the top of the national ticket. And I think regardless of people's political persuasions, I think, honestly, it just reminds us that diversity and possibility are the core of what makes this nation great. How do you think having Senator Harris in the race impacts the race itself? Well, as I say, I think uh, a woman of color was um, politically... Uh, a smart choice and, frankly, a necessary choice, a necessary choice politically for Biden, given the uh, importance of the African-American vote, given the importance of women's votes. Uh, I think politically it was a smart choice. I think there are people who are going to say um, she's too far to the left. (laughs) I think there are people on the progressive wing of the Democrat Party who are concerned that uh, she's too far to the right on certain issues like law and order or criminal justice reform. Um, I think uh, she clearly is a very experienced prosecutor and debater. And uh, that may be something that adds some excitement and verve to the ticket. All right, let's switch out of the political realm. And, well, maybe we're getting out of it just a bit, but we're still looking for uh, a next round of uh, financial support uh, for the American public at this point. And you've been very vocal on this. Uh, It obviously has to be disappointing to a lot of our population that we're seeing this uh, back and forth between uh, Republicans and Democrats once again on on Capitol Hill. And with the fact that, uh, you know, PPE, uh, PPP, you can't put in an application right now. Uh, The extra money uh, that was going into unemployment insurance, that is uh, that's uh, that's out right now. This is a very hard time for a lot of people in our country. Yes. And. I think, honestly, it's an abject failure of the political class, not excluding uh, the president, including the president. I mean, this this isn't news that <laughs> relief was going to be necessary. This isn't news. It may be news to some in the president, including the president, that COVID was going to continue, that small businesses were going to stay under pressure, but it shouldn't be. And so it's a failure of uh, elected officials to get it together and help, at this point, the people who need it most, who are individuals, small businesses that are getting absolutely crushed, 
schools that are trying to get ready to educate children in some way, and state and local governments that are getting crushed in terms of the expenses that they're having to shoulder. Not news. I also wanted to ask you uh, about a couple other stories that made news in in the last week or so, one being McDonald's. And and this is such an interesting story, and, and obviously you being a you know, if the former CEO at HP can can bring a unique insight to this in the fact that they're bringing a suit forward against their former CEO, Steve Easterbrook. Obviously, a lot has been made about maybe some of the actions he took with the with the subordinates at the company. But the fact that McDonald's is trying to pare back this 40 million dollars that they had given Easterbrook in a golden parachute payment. Yeah, well, first of all, I think it's great. Honestly, I think it's high time. Uh, And I don't say that because it involves women or I'm a woman or anything else. I say that because severance packages are clearly there were issues with the CEO. And severance packages have conditions attached to them. I serve on another board, which will remain nameless for the purposes of this interview, where we had a severance package with the CEO. And there were very clear conditions attached to that severance. And so if he has violated those conditions, one of which might have included, for example, you have been fully honest and forthcoming about your behavior, then he has violated the contract. A severance package, a golden parachute, isn't a guarantee. It's a contract. It's a contract between a company and an executive on their way out the door. So if he's violated the contract, he ought to get sued. Do you think there needs to be a closer look at what the contracts are when you're hiring a CEO? And obviously you can have, you know, the the liabilities in there in terms of what their actions are. But just in general, as to some of the dynamics that, that really maybe should or maybe should not be in any an executive's contract. So the short answer is yes. I have advocated since I became the CEO of Hewlett-Packard, as a matter of fact, so way back 1999, 2000, and for the next six years, I have advocated publicly for the highest possible degree of transparency and visibility into all things regarding the CEO. Their pay, their bonus structure, their contracts, their severance. The more transparency there is about how CEOs are rated and how they are paid, the more comfort shareholders should take from that. And that's particularly true now, especially true now, when CEO pay is so excessive in many people's minds and so far away from what others in a company make. The more transparency you have, in my opinion, the better. Does McDonald's make this move? And and obviously, this is a rare move for them for any company. We haven't had many of these instances. But does McDonald's make this move without some of the dynamics that are at play within our culture right now? Thinking about things like like Me Too and and, and Black Lives Matter. There's obviously such a a social component to what we're seeing going on uh, in our culture and obviously in our business world these days. I hope so. I hope they would have done this anyway, because they realize that business is under the microscope in terms of executive pay, because they realize that there have been calls to claw back excessive golden parachutes in the past, because 
I hope so because they realize that shareholders get restless when they feel as though bad behavior on the part of CEOs is paid for excessively. I'm not sure about that. (laughs) So if the social pressure has caused them to do the right thing here, great. Uh, But I do think that it is in companies' interests, although it may feel uncomfortable, and I have written many op-eds on this subject. I think it is in a company's interests. I think it is in a board's interests, no matter how uncomfortable it may feel, to be transparent about what they're doing, why they're doing it, how they pay, how they measure results, and to be uh, forthright about all of that. It may feel uncomfortable in the short term, but it pays off in the long term. So then why do you think then we haven't seen more cases like this where we, you know, we have a company that, you know, and obviously it's, it's certain circumstances that we're talking about here, but the fact that we haven't seen more companies make a move like this to pull back that, that those funds that were given to an executive. Because I think what so often happens in a boardroom is board members who are tasked with fiduciary responsibility for a company, board members, uh, for many obvious reasons, convince themselves that unwanted publicity is um, harmful to the company, convince themselves that scrutiny over decision-making processes that are generally in private will be damaging to the reputation of the company. I think there are all kinds of arguments that get made that, you know, we really don't want to air our dirty laundry in public. But I think the truth is that there has been so much scrutiny around excessive executive pay and so much public criticism about executives who fail to perform and nevertheless walk away with millions that, as I've said, I think more transparency, honestly, is required. Uh, I also wanted to ask you about Uber and Lyft and and the, the court ruling that came down earlier this week where the judge said that they do need to classify their drivers as employees and and not contract workers. Uh, and it, it's not so much that decision, which obviously I think is still, it's, you know, it's going to be under appeal. We've still got a long ways to go in there. But in terms of the companies themselves and how a decision like this could impact a company like Uber, which a lot of people believe it would have a significant imp- a negative impact, and you also have Uber kind of trying to branch out and, and go more into the Uber Eats route as well. Yes. Well, first of all, as, as we all know, since um, you know Uber began publicly to reveal their financial uh, structure, it's not clear the business model works right now anyway. <laughs> it's right. not clear that branching from driving people around to driving food around improves profitability. Right. Yes, it grows the top line. But it's, not, it's not at all clear that profit follows from this. So if you now add on top of that the fact that employees are far more expensive than contract workers, which is why Uber doesn't want them to be employees, yeah. then the business model is further called into question. Uh, we've talked a lot uh, in, in this interview and in the past about leadership, and I understand now that you're 
trying to uh, help develop a leadership framework tool. Tell us more about it. Well, I haven't. I'm not trying to develop it. I have developed okay. it, and uh, I I have a newsletter on LinkedIn, um, and I have just introduced this leadership framework uh, onto the LinkedIn newsletter. So please connect with me there, or people can go onto the website CarlyFiorini.com. But it's a framework that I have used for many, many, many years to approach and resolve very difficult challenges, very complex problems. Leadership in the end is about solving problems. It is about taking advantage of opportunities. And most of the time, the problems are complex and festering, and the opportunities are not easy to take advantage of. And so what I've learned over the years is that people tend to get overwhelmed by the complexity, or they tend not to fully understand all dimensions of the opportunity. And so the leadership framework is a tool I have used in many settings with many different teams to stay focused on everything that needs to be done to establish goals, to organize work effectively, to measure the right things, and to encourage the kind of behavior that's necessary to achieve the goals. And, and, and the reason I find, I'm talking publicly about it is because we got a lot of problems and yeah. we don't seem to be solving them very well. As your earlier question about a relief bill. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, and, and that's what I, I wanted to touch on that as well, because you mentioned in, in this latest newsletter about the fact that, that there are elements of government that really can benefit from, from this type of a structure. Well, you know, one of the things I've done, uh, I've had stints in business, politics, I've done work in the policy arena, I've advised government agencies, whether it's the CIA or the Department of State. I've done a lot of work in the nonprofit world. And what I know is that problem solving and leadership is the same in any of those dimensions. The problems are different. The context is different. Government is different than business. But what it takes to actually solve a problem, whether you're in government or business or in a community or in a nonprofit, it's always the same. You have to have clear goals. You have to be willing to compromise. You have to get organized about who's going to do what. You have to measure the right things. It's always the same. And so what we're dealing with, the reason people are frustrated with politics is because our problems never seem to get better. We talk about the same problems every election. And one of the reasons we don't get real progress is because politics is so frequently not about problem solving or leadership. It's about winning and raising money. (laughs) But we do have problems that need to get solved. Yeah, boy, do we right now. Hey, Carly, great to talk to you again, as always, and look forward to uh, catching up with you again in a couple of weeks. Thanks very much for joining us again. Great to be with you. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Carly Fiorina, former CEO of Hewlett-Packard, and uh, as we have mentioned in the past, uh, also uh, ran for the uh, GOP presidential nomination just a couple of years ago. To keep engaged with Wharton Business Daily and other Wharton School shows, visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.